Welcome to The Big Interview. The Big Interview from the Customer Experience Foundation is our weekly podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centres. The movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Chloe Woolger. Chloe started her career working in public sector research before moving into customer experience seven years ago. Chloe has held senior marketing and commercial roles within CX agencies and is currently the commercial director within the leading consultancy arm of CX firm Kantar. She is a strong advocate for women in tech and is a regular speaker and judge within the CX industry. Chloe is also passionate about showing the benefits of delivering an exceptional customer experience and the value it can have within the organisation in terms of business growth. Chloe, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Hi, Keith. It's great to be here today. Thanks for inviting me on. Super. It's lovely to have you. So talk us through your current role and some of the challenges that, uh, that, you, that you've that you got going on at Kantar. Talk us through your current role. Yeah, so um, I am, as you said, currently the commercial director for Kantar. I work specifically within the CX domain. So working across lots of our different clients in terms of looking at how we grow, so how we expand our client base, but how we position ourselves in terms of showing our best practice thinking. How do we challenge the, the conventional, I suppose, in terms of saying, actually, you know, what more do you need to be doing? What more do you need to be achieving in the CX space? So I work with our clients looking at, at what they need from a technology point of view as well. So we have two platform partnerships, which we're very proud of uh, with Medallia and Qualtrics. And we use those platforms to, to power our programs, basically. Um, and everything we do we do around our sort of CX programs is supported by leading technology. And that's really important to us. And, and what are the current challenges? Obviously, we've had an interesting 15 months and I, I know Cantor have done an, an awful lot of uh, uh, in, insight over the last 15 months. What, what, what are the key themes from that? So I think what we're definitely seeing is, is the CX professionals' role, basically, at showing ROI. So how do they really show the return of investment that CX is delivering to the business. So I think that's a challenge that's ongoing. And I think that's something that the organizations need to get right. You know, there's constantly being questions thrown at the CX professionals in terms of what's the value for money they're getting from the CX uh, program and, and what, what more do they need to do to help it deliver greater value. So I think ROI is a key challenge. I also think there's something around linking data. So how do we link data to better serve the customer? So is that, for example, linking customer data to employee data, linking brand data? Is it thinking about 
other operational data that that the organization has and and how do you link that back to tell that sort of single customer customer view really and then how powerful is that for your organization so yeah for me it's definitely around linking data i think we're also seeing something um across the industry about how those professionals that all important role as the cx professional as i mentioned how they prioritize you know it's a role that has so many different stakeholders it's a role that is should be and is the heartbeat of the organization so what are the sort of short medium and long-term goals that that they really need to work towards to, to help make sure cx is making an impact fantastic and what are some of the challenges that you're seeing clients have at the moment so i think i think really clients are thinking okay well what do they what do they need to do to better measure customer experience so i definitely think that's a challenge I think they are questioning how advanced CX programs are. I think obviously sort of five years ago, everyone was like, okay, we need to embed a CX program. That's exactly what we need to do. We need to measure feedback across all of our touch points. We need to be talking to customers at every single stage to ask them what they're feeling. And I think there's possibly a chance that we've gone a bit overboard on that. So I think organizations are really at the moment thinking it's time to stake stock. It's time to think about Firstly, what's our customer experience vision? So what is the vision for the organization? How are we how are we relating that back to our overall business objectives? Because I think that's really key. And quite often I see clients have created customer experience visions and actually not aligned it to the overall business objectives where the business wants to be in the next five, 10 years. So I, I think that's really key. And I also think sort of on the back of that, that actually we need to they need to understand within that vision, then where the program's going to take them next. Sort of how is it going to evolve? How is it going to transform the business? And I really think that's a, a challenge that clients are facing. And, and some of that is doable with what they've got in terms of the program they've got. But some of it is about thinking, okay, do we need to re- revisit our customer journey maps, for example, and really understand the moments that matter most across the customer journey? Or do we need to consider within the organization how much feedback we have and the quality of that feedback. You know, I still see clients with huge long questionnaires and, you know, no, no engagement in terms of what they're asking. And when you question the why those questions are in there, you often get, well, oh, this bit for this department needs that and this bit needs that. But actually, do you use the data that comes out of that? Because if you don't, does it actually need to be in the questionnaire? Really interesting. And um, I also know um, both yourself and at Kantar, you've done a bit of work around the gap between what CEOs and organizations think they're delivering and what customers say they're getting. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we did some work at Kantar, which is part of it's part of our CX Plus study, which looked at measuring the gap between customer experience and brand promise. And what we actually found from that is that 80% of CEOs believe they are delivering a truly customer-centric experience to their customers, whereas only 18% of consumers agree. So there's a huge gap there that we still need to close. You know, CEOs is obviously, you know, very high up the agenda in terms of in terms of what they're thinking and delivering the exceptional experience is definitely part of their, their mantra, but actually customers aren't feeling that. So I think that could be driven by a number of reasons. Firstly, probably... The, the relationship that the customer has with, with the brand and with the organization. And also, I think the way that employees are empowered as well within the organization. So if employees aren't empowered to better serve the customer at every, at every touch point, 
then you're not going to improve. You're not going to change things. So I think that's an area that, that CEOs really need to consider and think, okay, what's the culture like within the business? What's the employee journey been like? What, how does the employee think and understand that as part of everything? And, you know, we always used to say, understand what your employees are saying first. That's the first step before you go and embark on understanding what your customers are saying. But actually getting CEOs to, to agree to that is a very different thing. Yes. And, and, and talk to us a bit more about where, where you've seen it go wrong. You know, where, what can we all learn? I think there's a few things that we've seen where it's gone wrong. Um, and, you know, actually, the, you know, there's some been examples in the press recently where, where brands might not be servicing, uh, might not be servicing their employees in the way they should, and treating their employees the way they should, and therefore the negative effect that that's, that's had on customers. So I think there are there are things that you can see across the industry where it's not quite right. But I think you do see, and this is a you know a very good point, is you do see some examples of where it's very good. You know, you take John Lewis for an example an incredible organization who's always really focused on partners, employees, making sure they're happy, making sure that they feel empowered at every stage, whether it's giving, you know, an exceptional moment that will matter most to that customer in that day. Um, yeah, they've, they've a brand that really has got it right, consistently got it right as well. Um, and they're also a brand, I think, where they're, they, they're very quick to apologize. And that's a good thing in terms of if something doesn't go right, the best thing you can do as an organization is to hold your hands up and say, actually, that, that wasn't what we wanted. You haven't received the service we've expected. So that obviously goes back to sort of really thinking about, well, how do you close the loop with customers? How do you make sure that they that they are, you know, a delighted customer? Fantastic. And um, you, you didn't start in, in, in customer service. You haven't spent all your, all, all your career in, in the contact centre and CX industry. So talk us about how you came into this sector and your, and your journey through the industry. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I actually, interesting question. I actually started my career in the automotive industry working as a customer service advisor um, so I've always had quite a passion for the automotive industry. Um, and it was it was really interesting because that to me sh- truly showed my passion for customer service and how quite often we did things that did not have the customer at the heart. That culture just wasn't there back then. And I'm talking, you know, this is a good sort of 15 years ago. Um, you know, that was a long time ago. And actually, it, it, it wasn't the case. They didn't have the customer at the heart and actions weren't being considered. So from that, I then moved into marketing as well within the automotive industry. And then I jumped over to research after that. Um, and that was great because actually giving me the grounding in research in terms of we used to do a lot of public sector work within my previous organization. That was fantastic because that showed you the impact that research can have and, and how important was that. You know, I always remember a project that we did sort of looking at at how teenagers were affected by radicalization and what that meant you know in terms of their going on and their future development and their future life and sort of working on really topical projects like that was really interesting and something that I think made me fall in love with research actually um I was very lucky I attended the MRS summer school as well only a few months into my research journey and that was the best thing because that gives you a good branding of everything that that research holds and the the impact as I said which was really important Fantastic. And what are, talk about some of your biggest achievements. You know, what are you most proud of throughout your career? So for me, I think um, a recent one, definitely. 
recently is is um, launching launching the women in in customer experience community with the incredible Claire Muscat. So we launched that community earlier this year. It's something that's been hugely successful in terms of lots of new members coming on board and also a real community, a real safe space for women in CX to discuss issues and really share learning. So I'm really proud of that. And within Cantor, we're a sponsor of that as well. So I'm really proud of of what we've been able to achieve within that community. I think if you were going to ask... Talk to us about why that's important, why, 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 why there was a need for that. Um, I think there's lots of different networks across customer experience, isn't there? There's lots of different areas where people show their, they they show views, they share, uh, you know, tips and things like that. But I do think that women are still at a disadvantage across customer experience. And I, I think that for a number of reasons. Firstly, because it's still a quite male dominated industry. And some of that's down to it being very closely you know, related to the tech industry and, you know, a huge amount of tech presence being as part of that. So I think there is that that sort of disadvantage that that we have there. But also the support as well. I think the way the way women in CX to support, you know, employ to support their members is really crucial because that's something that I don't think is present across the industry. Fantastic. Okay. And what's the what's the future for women in CX and women in tech? So I think um, women in CX, I think definitely the future is going to be thinking about how we can grow, how we can expand that community in terms of how can we better support women, but also better help them in their career journeys, their their own personal development goals and things like that. So I think for, for that, it's really exciting. I think in wider women in tech, you will obviously see more and more women getting involved. I think we've seen a huge uplift in terms of um, you know, people within Cantor, we've got a really, um, a really good split in terms of gender um, in our CX team across women and men, and we've got some very, very clever people. You know, within our within our platform team, who who embed Medallia and Qualtrics on a daily basis, and you know, they really, they really do know the ins and outs of all of the tech platforms. So, I think for us, we'll we'll see more and more of that. Um, but you know, we have to weigh that up. You know, I think over the last year women have definitely had a real challenge. And I think, you know, I have to say, if I look at my own situation over the last year, I've got two small children who are four and six, and it's been really tough. You know, women have had to take on a lot more of the childcare burden. um, And I've been very lucky to have good support from my husband and wider family. But I really have to say that managing this has definitely been a juggle. And those circumstances the last year are something that I personally feel really proud of and I, I think a lot of women will do um because yeah as, gen- as a generation we've definitely faced a, a huge challenge as parents really really um inspiring and um who would who or what would you say have been the biggest influences on your life and your career oh that's a good question um so i think this feels like the moment when I should be really crediting lots of people, um, but I'm not going to. I'm going to try and keep it succinct. <laughs> um, the biggest person to definitely influence my life on a personal level was was my grandfather. So um, my grandfather was Major Jack Watson. He um, parachuted into the dark skies over Normandy on D-Day. Um, and he was he was involved in terms of liberating uh, Pegasus Bridge and then obviously Ronville as well. Um, and that was the, the first France village to be lifted. Um, so he was he was exceptional in that he was 
he had a really good ethic in terms of how he led. He was awarded the Military Cross in 1945. And every year he went back to Normandy to help commemorate all the brave men and women that, that never made it home. And I've been really fortunate to go to those D-Day celebrations on a regular basis. And actually, it always sticks out how, how they never gave up. You know, they carried on fighting to protect the country right up to the end. And I often think we, and I think there's a lot we can learn from this, because I often think we still, as a generation, give up without, very easily without exploring, actually, if something is possible. So I'm a great believer. If someone says to me, oh, you, you can't possibly do that, then I'll say, well, I'll try and find a way then. You know, I, and they might be right. There might be things that, you know, there are things that, that you can't do. But actually, I always try and make it my mission to really try. And I think... That's something that, you know, he had a, a huge, strong mentality for as well, which, which was really important. I'd also say, you know, that I've, I've really worked with some incredible people as well. So thinking sort of about my professional career, I'm very fortunate to have worked with some really incredible leaders. Um, and as part of that, I've had some inspiring mentors as well. So mentors that I've learned something from each and every one of them, you know, whether it's something very small or something that helps you become a better a better manager or things like that I've been so lucky to to have those mentors and actually help them you know get their help in terms of shaping my career and and what I deliver as well what I deliver to clients super um at Kantar you're obviously working with a lot of organizations and you're doing a lot of research and you're really got your fingers on the pulse of of society so what's next what's the future what should we be looking out for Oh, well, first of all, I need to find my crystal ball, Keith, to, to answer that one. Um, <laughs> but but no, I, look, I, I do think we're going to see, and something I referred to earlier on, a lot more organisations question their overall CX activity. Um, most organisations now gather feedback from customers, but in my view, few of them still do it very well. So... I think we'll see organisations question their, their, their definite CX practice. And I think that's probably in a number of areas. So we'll see them question their, the value that CX delivers. So that's, that's something that I spoke to you about earlier on. You know, they'll really question what is the value in terms of what my, what my CX programme delivers. And you know, they'll need to use different tools to help them do that. They'll need to use different tools to help them you know, show literally to the business what, it, what good CX gives them in terms of a pound sign. Um, to really help like develop, I think, a really clear business case of why it's important. I also think that we'll see um, we'll see an overhaul of vision and strategy. So thinking about defining that North Star and, as I said, bringing it back to the business objectives, the brand, the values, and then really how you sort of cascade that amongst amongst colleagues and within with people as well across the organisation. I also think yeah. that we'll and, see. And Gone. I think, yeah, so I was just going to say, I think we'll also see people really shifting in terms of governance as well. So I think we'll see people thinking that actually they need to move away from admiring the problem. And that's a term that, that we use quite a lot to actually delivering change. Right. And I think that change needs to have real benefits to, to the customer but also that something that really cascades across the business that they are showcasing their changing and they're driving that all important action. And some of that's through, through different ways of collaborating. Some of that's ways, you know, through leadership as well. You know, organizations that have their CEO bought in to the customer experience program are the ones that are going to succeed. You know, that should be something, the live and breathe culture of what a CX program delivers should be something that is 
is driven from the top. And, you know, we, we're very fortunate to work with, with Nationwide on their customer experience program, actually. And their CEO, Joe, is, is so engaged in the program. You know, it's the first thing he looks up when he wakes up. He goes onto the app. He looks at the scores coming in. He knows what they're saying. He's got a ticker tape across the top that looks at all the customer verbatims and, and what really is crucial to customers. And, you know, he quite often is pinging yeah. out different messages saying, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. You need to improve this. But also really celebrating the good things as well. And I think that's really important. I think if you can get that that top-down culture right, then then for CX, that's going to transform. And what what are your thoughts on how we as a CX community and CX practitioners um, need to be better to, to improve this for our clients? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think you need to think about when you're when you're a CX professional in an organization, I think you need to think about, as I said earlier on, those short, medium and long term wins. So how can you celebrate the small wins? So really show that you're making progress because not everything will happen overnight. You know, CX maturity is a is a two to three year journey. And even when you get to that point, it, it constantly evolves. It, you're constantly moving. So I think you need to be really clear that you're celebrating the small wins within an organization. I think you also need to make sure that you're definitely using measurement wherever you can, you know, measuring exactly what you're doing and, and reporting that back to the business as well. Um, but one thing I think that, that gets forgotten a lot by CX professionals is make sure that everyone's involved. Make sure everyone's involved in that strategy and that, that roadmap and take them on the journey. You know, CX touches everyone within the organization. Take people on that journey to show them what you need to do to improve and that will massively help with the culture piece that I, I mentioned earlier on. Fantastic. Uh, Chloe, as you know, we always like to ask our guests to uh, reflect and help those coming up through the industry today. So you can go back to being 20 or 25 again. What advice would you give to your younger self? So I would say I've always been a huge fan of networking. That's something that I, I did a huge amount of when I started off in the industry. I went to every event. I, I spoke to everyone. And, and someone once gave me the advice that say, you know, that said, if you even only speak to one person that's got something slightly interesting to say at an event, it's an event well, you know, well, well attended. So I always went to every event with that with that mantra. And I definitely think building your network early, as early as possible, is really important. And obviously, that's slightly harder in the virtual world. But but as we hopefully return to live events, then, then that would be key for me. I'd also say that it's really important to never be afraid to ask for feedback as well. So even in the early days, I think making sure you ask for feedback on everything you're doing, what the different people you're working with, informal feedback as well. You know, don't don't always think that feedback needs to be a formal thing. Yet take that feedback and almost be a sponge, you know, take it all in. And not everyone's view will be will be, you know, will be right, will be, you know, how you need to what you need to believe in, what you think about how you can further your career. But but be a sponge and really, really take that in. I'd also say one other thing that, that really helped me, and, and I, I was very lucky to do this quite early on in my career working with the CIM, was volunteer. So think about what you can do. That might be professional network, so things like the CXPA, um, you know, anything like that. Where you, can, you can spend time volunteering to help build those professional networks. But also think about things you can do in the community as well. So 
it might be something related to your hobby. You know, I, I'm quite a keen tennis player and, you know, something I thought of the other day that might be nice to volunteer on is, you know, at the tennis club, can I help them more? Can I help them even gather feedback from members and things like that? How can you use your skill to help other organisations as well? Because what that gives you is a grounding of, of what's important to other organisations. And I think that all helps shape who you are and also shows your commitment, you know, organizations want to show that you know want to see that you're committed that's what will help you sell your career absolutely fantastic advice chloe uh, so you mentioned tennis uh, so how do you unwind and escape from it all uh, tell us a few things about you that we wouldn't know from looking at your linkedin profile So um, I, I do struggle to unwind. Uh, I have to say, what what is unwinding? I think uh, that's, you know, I've, I've got a fairly busy role. Uh, I think I also do volunteer for probably quite a few things that uh, maybe I do too many, but I enjoy it and it's something I'm, I really like to be part of. But um, as I said earlier on, I've got, got two, two small children, so that keeps me fairly busy. But I do try to get a good work-life balance and that isn't always possible. And anyone that sort of says it is, it is definitely lying. I think when you're in a role, uh, you know, like we, we are in big corporate roles, then I think it is difficult. But a key factor is for me is to try and work out what the balance is. And some weeks it definitely works and some weeks it doesn't. You know, it is a definite juggling act, especially when you have children and you are, you are working. I think it, you have to recognise that you do have some good weeks and bad um, but personally, I, I, have a, I have a huge love for horses. So it's something I got into as a child um, and definitely officially have the horse bug. So I actually am lucky to ride twice a week. And it's definitely the headspace I need to get away from things and, and to help me unwind. Um, plus, I'm also very lucky to, to live in the gorgeous Surrey Hills. So the scenery is pretty exceptional as well. Fantastic. Chloe, it's been fascinating having you with us today. I hope our listeners have found this as insightful as I have. You can find out lots more about the Customer Experience Foundation at cxfo.org. We thank you for joining us at the Customer Experience Foundation today, and we hope you can join us next time on The Big Interview.